0: I think that is like this fundamental misconception that goes along with this entire space that the technology is the thing that makes it valuable, versus the technology is enabling this new way for people to interact with a person or not even interact with necessarily. It's enabling a deeper connection to the network of this thing that you believe in. And that's like been. The fundamental part, I think, for understanding NFTs is you just have to think about networks. Just think about people who have collected some of the visualized value stuff, reached out to me. And uh, I think first and foremost, people like the aesthetic. They would hang it on their wall. But secondarily, a lot of these people are collectors and investors. So they're looking at networks that will grow like any business or any venture you're betting your capital on the fact that this network will continue to expand and you for a stake in that network very early on.
1: You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs, and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different, and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders, and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Jack Butcher. This is Jack's second episode of One More Question, and if you haven't listened to the first one, I encourage you to do so. Jack spent 10 years working in corporate advertising in New York City as a graphic designer for billion-dollar brands. It was fun, but the opposite of freedom. In his search for freedom, he started his own advertising agency. It was not fun, and even less freedom. After two years of iteration, he figured out how to transition to highly specialized and fun consulting. This resulted in his product business, Visualize Value. Visualize Value is a project he used to build a network of mentors, a million dollar a year product business, and a media platform with an audience of over a million people. Now Jack spends all of his time making things that make it easier to learn, teach, build and sell. In this episode, we talk about Jack's experimentation in Web3, making one-of-one artworks and building products. But more importantly, we talk about how his community and the strength of the connections between them is Visualize Value's greatest asset. Enjoy. So Jack, thank you very much. You are the first guest officially on the podcast to come back for a second a second round. Uh, the first time we had you purely as a, a brand builder, and now we are exploring kind of what that plays out like in Web three. And I know you and your work with Visualize Value. You've done a hell of a lot of kind of experimenting and building in this sort of space. So I'd love to to get your take on on where the brand is and and how you thought about sort of Web three and 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 playing in this. Mm-hmm. seemingly new and exciting frontier where everything is possible and nothing is possible yeah. all at the same time. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. All right, let's do it. So mate, thank you for having me back. First of all, I appreciate it. I'm trying to think when we did the first podcast, it was, cause this will be good context for the gap between, it must've been 2020. Is that yeah, right? I think
1: mid 2020. So it's probably about a year and a half or two years ago Incredible. that we recorded our first, first one together.
0: Yeah, it's kind of incredible. Cause the, the the so let's say summer, probably about this time, 2020, I would think. So at that point in time, I don't think the acronym NFT was in either of our heads. That's accurate, right?
1: No. No. I, I, I had no idea what it was. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. So so on the first conversation we talked about building visualized value, making this digital network, putting out all this um Content back in the day as kind of a magnet for people to work with under a slightly different context. So, I think what fascinated me when I first heard about NFTs is people who create digitally, like natively, like me for visualized value. There's something unique about the idea that the thing that used to be just the magnet for attracting people's attention to get them to do something else could have value in itself. So like we collectively, I think as a society decided that everything on the internet that people make should be free. Yes. You know, there are obviously exceptions to the rule, but like the expectation has come, I can get access to the most incredible content in the world and it's free. Like that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. You go and educate yourself on YouTube. You can look at amazing art photographers you know, people are putting information and knowledge and artwork and everything out onto the internet every day and this technology is like a a slight reframe on some of that stuff or a um mm. a a a uh what's the word I'm looking for it can change the it, context of that stuff so you don't yes. have to change the relationship with the audience but you can have this additional layer of engagement, which is going to take a little bit of time to unpack. But that was like the inkling I had when I first heard about it. It was like, on the the most basic level, it's like I'm producing this stuff for free that I can maybe make posters out of or put on mugs or augment in some way to make valuable. But the actual piece, the original piece of work that I create on a computer in the same way that an artist 100 years ago would use a canvas and you can authenticate that. This is as best as we can get in the current time to authenticating a piece of digital work. Mm. Is that valuable? Is that good for visualized value? At that point in time, I didn't know. It was just fascinating to me. So I, yeah. kept, I just kept doing what I was doing. And uh, there were a few people that started like tapping me on the shoulder metaphorically in the discord saying oh have you seen nfts this is a perfect thing for visualize well you make digital art and uh, you can sell it and i I remember going on OpenSea. that was the link they sent me at the time i was like this looks like a bootleg ebay you know <laughs> but when i looked i was like what is this i'm not putting my work on here right yeah and uh i probably should have done a little bit more research at that time i think you could buy crypto punks for about 50 bucks back in the summer of 2020 and i just sort of let it go for six months or so and then early 2021
1: by now you could have been like living on your yacht in the bahamas like living the dream couldn't we all man if
0: we learned information (laughs) at a different point in time but anyway six months later people like i think the same person hit me up again It's like you have to like look at this it's get it's like heating up and um at that point in time the the platform foundation came out if you're familiar with foundation which is like a really beautifully designed it's like um, the birth
1: of curation in that space
0: exactly right exactly right so it has like this really slick ui it's wonderfully curated you have to get an invite to join as an artist all of these things and uh, i was like okay now i get it i'll put a piece on there and yeah people can bid on it i have no expectations blah, blah blah so Fast forward, I did that, and um, I think this idea occurred to me retroactively, but um, there there are people that were already native in that community that have been kind of uh, figuring out what the market was far before Mm -hmm. I started participating in it. And I'd only spoken to a couple dozen people in that world, and I was like, I'll just throw this up there there's definitely like crypto enthusiasts, web three enthusiasts in the visualized value, like in the aperture of that brand as it is, because a lot of what we talk about and there was some crossover there. So people participated in the early auctions and there's also like a, there are all these conventions that you figure out or you understand retroactively about the art. Like I'm not an artist. I've never like, I shouldn't say I'm not an artist. I've been told not to say that, but uh, (laughs) I'm not trained as an artist, or I don't have like, you know, don't have representation. Haven't worked with galleries. Like, don't know the art world ins and outs, right? So there's all these conventions. Like, your first piece is super is should be treated with a like. You need to do a press, and you need to go out and speak to these people, and you need to secure partners, and there's a lot of like weird stuff that goes on in the art world. I've been just operating from the like, press publish, see what happens. Yes. What is it, the
1: permissionless um, apprentice? You just throw it out there and see what happens.
0: Indeed. And like, I think the, yeah, the cool thing I realized through running a bunch of auctions on Foundation is obviously your 200,000 Twitter followers aren't going to participate in this. But there might be half a dozen people that are materially invested in the work you're doing and can support at a outsized contribution. right? So I think oh. there's so many different ways to think about NFTs from that, um, from like a fundraising perspective. Like these are also things you learn in retrospect, whereas like one of one, where you can publish 30 pieces a year, or you can do an edition of a thousand and then attach oh. all this utility on the back end to additions, things of that nature. So none of that stuff I really had any idea on at the time. I was just experimenting with these new platforms as they were coming out. And then uh, like anything else, I think just participating in it, using it, understanding it better was basically the catalyst for making better work in that space. So Mm. starting to use the medium of NFTs to do the visualized value thing, which is basically explain... NFTs, so it's like this meta commentary on the space itself, which I think then got way more attention from people in the that were more native to the space because I think people are materially invested in um, helping explain this technology to onboard more people. So, like yes. there was this service to the community being done by trying to like dispel some of the myths and explain some of the concepts behind these like networked pieces of art and just start to talk about my experience of making art so I could do something else versus just making art. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that was the direction I intended to take, you know, like give up everything else I was doing. Cause I actually mm. love that just as much all the other parts of the, The visualized value brand, but it was just fascinating to me that this became like a completely different model based on the market conditions at the time. So this is like the other big part of the discussion where March of 2021 the the
1: crazy high frenzy. Yeah. Money flying in from every angle, everyone looking to make millions, selling out like a like a crazy person
0: yeah and then on the pre recording we just talked about, it's like that's when everyone thinks this is the answer to my prayers, like this little acronym is gonna completely like save my business, or because it's an n f t it's worth a hundred times more what it was worth before, and I think mm. that is like this fundamental misconception that goes along with this entire space that the technology is the thing that makes it valuable versus the technology is enabling this new way for people to interact with a person or not even interact with necessarily. It's enabling like a deeper connection to the network of this thing Mm. that you believe in. And that's like been the fundamental part, I think, for understanding NFTs is you just have to think about networks think about people who have collected some of the visualized value stuff reached out to me. And uh, I think first and foremost, people like the aesthetic. They would hang it on their wall. But secondarily, a lot of these people are collectors and investors. So they're looking at networks that will grow. Like any business or any venture, you're betting your capital on the fact that this network will continue to expand and you bought a stake in that network very early on
1: i I think there's also an element of of you know you, you create in a digital world and the consumption is very passive and you you as the consumer hold no kind of token of what you've done there's no ticket stub. Mm -hmm. there's no there's no conference band there's no like t-shirt for the band there's no album there's no nothing i can hold up in five years time ten years time like oh i was in visualized value Mm -hmm. in season one you know like i was there when when he had five followers and i think there's definitely an an elements we're seeing in people wanting to almost mark participation in what they're doing, you know, for example, I normally buy one of everything of the people that I speak to, because it's almost like my own archive that I can create of the people that I've gone. And beforehand, I mean, I've got Bruce Miles book sitting at the back there, like people I speak to, I I purchase their objects. Uh, You know, now there's a sort of digital, digital engagement component to that, which I think is a very like, natural human things, the fridge magnet, the bumper sticker, it's the same kind of behavior, but just in a digital sort of, you know, environment.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think that's a, that's a great observation. And it's just like so weird. Like it's so strange to do that digitally that I think the pushback is often from people that maybe don't operate online to the same degree that, the people who are in this space do like mm. more than 50% of my life is spent on the internet. I would think mm. if you are taken out sleep, definitely more than 50%, yes. but it's in it. This is an astronomical amount of time. And yes, yeah, just like the, the economy that evolves alongside that just uh is going to be very different. And it's, it's kind of fascinating how different, How differently those interactions become based on the fact that you hold a uh, you know, a, a token, an immutable entry in a database. That's what oh. it is. But at the same time, you can apply that level of um cynicism, I suppose, to a lot of other forms of ownership or a lot of other relationships. It's like it's symbolic of something. Mm. And that symbolism and that attachment and that ability to express your taste and your relationships on the, you know, the new frontier is something that people obviously have an appetite for. It's, it's a pretty amazing thing.
1: So how's it, how's it changed for you? You know, you've built this, you originally started building on Instagram, you know, and you've, you've been quite good at jumping into different platforms. you've sort of built audience across now multiple platforms but in theory you don't like you don't own those platforms you know you just Mm -hmm. sort of uh, participate in them Um, and then I think when we were talking you were at the point where you kind of figured a way of monetizing this kind of audience outside of getting money from those platforms you know and you sort of started to sell people uh, courses and the daily planners and you know so you'd figured a way of like now i've got the attention this is a kind of financial model that kind of backs it up how do you think nfts or web three kind of changes that kind of outlook for you as a as a brand and i guess underneath the brand is the business that is you know jack is you got your second kid on the way like you need to live you need to pay your bills you need to you know do those things and and i guess how do you how do you use this new technology to figure that out?
0: I think there's there's like many different ways to think about how they can be useful. I think they're really practical things. Like if you're shipping digital curriculums, then what do certificates of completion look like for mm. digital curriculums? I've gone through every single visualized Value course I completed on this day. I um, passed X, Y, and Z uh, confirmation that I did all the material or completed X, Y, Z exercises. Here's like proof of, proof of completion token, mm. which is just a value add that isn't necessarily about monetization. It's about the certification. Like that would be signed by visualizevalue.eth, completed, mm. signed by me which has value, I think, in a digital world. We're building all sorts of networks now to connect people to employers. So we'll have some people take our stuff, go off and improve their business with it or start a business with it. Other people will go through a design course and then put themselves into a network where people can look for talent that's gone through some of our curriculums. Mm. So the ability to do that and verify that, I think, is interesting. Another lofty way to think about it is how do you fund, how do you eventually make the education side of it free
1: Mm.
0: by just charging for the 0.01% of people to collect art? So the visualized Value meme spreads by giving away an enormous amount of education material and all of the development of that material, the upkeep of that material is funded by people collecting art at one end
1: or Kevin Rose even buying 100 ethereum right visualized value or, token
0: or someone pledging i want to put a thousand people through visualized value and like not to say you can't do that with a bank account mm. and a stripe page but the interconnectedness of it and the market and the like the twitter amalgamation and the so- social contagion that comes from a transaction that anybody anywhere in the world can see it's attached to a piece of art that represents an idea that is a really different idea and I think until you've been like wrapped up in this world you can't quite get your head around why that's very different than someone pledging you know buying a wing of a university for example Mm. and one of the parts of this I think maybe people don't want to talk about is this like social signaling is involved in a lot of this right why do people put their name on the wing of a library or a hospital or like there's a legacy component to it. There's a, I want to give back to the community that I believe can enhance other people's lives. And I want the social upside that comes with that. A lot of people think that way, right? So I think there's, I've I've run a few experiments with charity that have been like absolutely unbelievable using NFTs, like raised probably half a million bucks with two campaigns Based one on the fact that it's a novelty market and people want to try it out, and two on the fact that you get access to a piece of art that you hold forever that signifies, as you said, I contributed to this thing on this date, and I have this piece of art that represents that. Mm. Um, and this is not to say that NFTs are solely about art either. Right? This is about a immutable record of something at a, at a given date and time that can can or can't be transferred between people. Um, yeah. So those are like two kind of opposite applications of it. And I think NFT gating the content itself, a lot of people go to that. That's like where they think about it, right? They're like, I want to make an NFT membership. Mm. And unless you're building a highly specific Ethereum uh, native nft native community you're going to kill your business by doing that like if you make everything that you every product that you make is hidden behind your customer's ability to install metamask buy a token log in connect with their wallet every time they want to use your application that's crazy like you're nuts for doing that unless you're building i don't know a new web3 marketplace where that would be like the bare minimum you know
1: Participation to entry. requirements, yeah. right?
0: So that to me doesn't feel like a application for what visualized value is right now, like token getting that. One way you could do that is like maybe there's lifetime access, limited number for x number of people that want to fund a Web three curriculum, let's say. But I think it has to come in through that lens to give them where we are right now and give people's understanding of it. Um yeah, the the other like the other longer, more difficult thing to orchestrate is how do you begin to build ways for people who are in the community to collaborate with one another? Mm. So this is not necessarily NFT things, more like the DAO side of things where have you read the Balaji's book, Network State. Are you familiar with that concept? I have not. So uh, definitely worth a read. I think, it's, I think it's, it's free as well. So anyone listening, go and grab it. Balaji Srinivasan, who's uh, the CTO of Coinbase, um, huge, like been a commentator on the internet economy for a long time, but just put out a book called The Network State, which is basically about the idea that people are starting to organize states in the cloud. First, and then eventually get to a point where they gather in person. So one thing I think visualized value has an interesting area to explore. I'm not saying this is something that we're definitely going to do, is that if you have a bunch of people that have all gathered around a set of principles that have been put out over the last three years, they've all been through similar curriculums, they have complementary skill sets. You can start to build things on the internet with one another with much less friction than setting up like an LLC here, an LLC there, getting payroll to this person, paying that person. Like if you build like native Ethereum native products and you have, you know, 12 of you contribute to it. And there's a treasury that gets populated every time somebody uses it and it automatically spins Mm. off those contributions to everybody that built it.
1: And people can drop in and drop there. Yeah. yeah, That's very interesting.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing that people get, like, again, the DAO thing is kind of fascinating where nobody goes the communication layer first. Like, the really difficult thing, I think, to do is to get people all together that have similar values, interests, complementary skill sets, and then give them a task. Or, like, they come up with a task together versus people who come product first let's say and then just recruit random people from around the internet and then that quickly falls apart because they don't like working together or they aren't attached enough to the network to stick it out if things go a little sideways so um so so, i mean that's
1: interesting do do you see you know kind of based on your experience do you see more value in the the connection of the networks of the people that you've Kind of connected together than the technology that surrounds it, do you think that's a more important 100%. asset for your brand than than the actual technology or the monetary layer on top of it
0: yeah I think I think it's almost money the concept is kind of an abstraction for connection too, so mm-hmm. the idea that people focus on the size of the network generally versus mm the strength of the connection between the nodes in the network. Hmm. And I think that is, you can build a brand either way. I can like, you can imagine a visual where it's like you have a top down, here's the brand at the top and it has really strong connections to every individual person. Right. Hmm. That's a traditional brand with a mouthpiece that doesn't interact with anybody. It's just like, we make product that you want to buy and that's great. Versus an internet native brand where, Visualize value Discord. I could not show up in there for a month. Nothing changes. Everybody's talking to each other. They're, you know, friendships being built. They're making products together. They're shipping stuff. They're joking around. That's like a deep, I would describe as a decentralized brand mm. where I'm throwing stuff into the network and I'm trying to shape and attract a certain type of person and like throw all these magnets out. But then they come into this world and they can form relationships with one another. And all of these things are so like nascent, even the the idea of like collaborating with people permissionlessly without having a like contract in place or, you know, a salary negotiated, all of those things. They're all like new ideas. And a lot of what I think this technology does is just enables like novel ways of collaborating, novel ways of playing with economics. Mm. Um, and... People who claim to know exactly how that's going to play out, I think are misleading at best. You know, it's like, there's just a lot of smart people that are intrigued by this. And that's, I think, a more honest assessment of what's going on. Like people trying to play around and make these viable economic models happen. Uh, And there's certainly good examples of it. Um, I didn't bring this up in the beginning, but you familiar with nouns Do you know that yes. project?:
1: I love nouns. We could talk a
0: long, lot about that, I'm sure, from the, you know, the design and creative perspective, but I think if anybody's like really curious about what I think is one of the strongest schools of thought in NFTs is this idea of incentivizing the propagation of an idea or a meme. And then, kind of trusting that that value can come back and be captured by the network, it's like this abundance mentality there's it's like a trojan horse for thinking about the world in a more abundant way, especially like internet creativity blah 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 where the traditional uh the traditional reactions like your work being copied or like ripped off or whatever is like Let's hire a lawyer. Let's try and shut it down. Let's file the DMCA. Let's do all of that stuff versus let it spread far and wide. And there's only one original. So mm. by virtue of all of this stuff propagating over and over and over and over, the original is just increasing in value. People use the analogy of the Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa's priceless. How many copies, iterations, uh, postcards, yeah. plates, it's mugs has it been pence. posted yeah. on? Everything. It's like the meme of the Mona Lisa is so incredibly valuable because it's a really, really well-recognized image. And I think why NFTs click for me is because I've been trying to make ideas spread on the internet for a long time. And I think NFTs allow you to engineer new relationships with the people in that network
1: Mm.
0: and like give benefits back to them for participating in it right you i think you if you're amplifying every single idea that visualized value puts out but you have no material connection to that network like you said you can't say i was there in august 2020 then what does that change your incentive for amplifying everything you know if yes. you're invested in this network and you want to recruit smarter people and like get people to uh, come and contribute to the thing you're building and you have a little slice of ownership in that thing, you're going to probably going to be incentivized to talk about it more and try and explain it to more people. And that's what you're seeing play out with nouns in I think a really it's,
1: I think interesting it's, way. I think it's at a deeper level than that. So I think it's an ownership element that that this whole thing does is that, I can participate in your network. I can pay you to be part of it. I can make friends in it. But if I if I somehow feel ownership, you know, and feeling and actually having don't necessarily have to be the same thing either, but I think this has the potential to give me a sense of ownership in that thing and if I create something in that network and it benefits the network, there's no reason that I cannot participate in the financial game you know of that like i can own my little kind of piece i love with nouns is this they've set a perpetual motion machine in in that they've sent it off and they cannot ever stop it like it is making one noun a month forever and then there's little nouns which makes one noun every 15 minutes forever like this thing is just going to roll and roll and roll and roll and roll and roll and roll until you know either the internet ends or people stop showing up on the website and then it's just sort of making it for itself like it's this bizarre kind of concept which i think is very different to anything i've seen brands do the first nft i got was from a thing called snowflakes.io and what I love about that is it was a free NFT. All you had to do was send in your Ethereum address and apply. But the idea was that you were given two snowflakes and you had to give one away. Mm, it's just like such a simple, cool. like such a simple concept that someone wanted to play with. And it's such like a like a powerful thought. Like imagine you went into a shop and you bought a pair of jeans and they gave you a second one. And they're like, listen, just find somebody else that needs this. Yeah, and- yeah. And give it to them. Incredible. It's such like a, a weird idea. Like, and there's gonna be people that'll keep both, you know, which says something about them as a as a human. There's some people right, that'll right, give right. away one, some people will give away both. It's but it's the idea is that the the creator is not really commenting on the people, they're just sort of setting up the framework for the interaction, and that becomes a very interesting space to build brands and engagements and connections with people, which is I think what brand builders are ultimately always trying to to do.
0: Yeah, and I this is why I keep coming back to the network framing because Mm. the brand is a network. And I think now people are realizing there's a level of critical mass you must reach as a network to be able to sustain your operations. So things like get your customers to recruit new network members, you have to get creative about how you do that. And there's a, a lot of amazing examples of one that comes to the top of my head is morning brew, you know, the massive, um, business newsletter. Yes. They have a really like a really, uh, clever set of incentives for, um, referrals where like you refer five people, you get this, you refer 10, you get that you refer 15, etc. it's affiliate marketing, but presented in a like more creative way. And I think, It doesn't. It doesn't sound immediately obvious, but like this is a really network native. uh, It's like the closest you can get to an internet native brand. This Mm. is the technology that allows you to do that. And uh, nouns, I just like obviously uh, the mechanic of it is so fascinating because it creates this shelling point on a daily basis too. It's Mm. like the noun o'clock every day is people can come back to it, create stuff around it, do the Twitter spaces around it, live stream it, talk Ooh. about the character that's being created every day versus other brands where there isn't... Um, well, there is, but it's, you have to come up with reasons to talk about yourself over and over again. It's not like baked in the DNA of, of it. the exercise itself. It's And unless you have something truly compelling or people involved that are truly passionate and like incredibly creative it's very hard to have the the a daily basis is probably a ridiculous target for most brands right like Mm. even something every week or every month that is truly um new is very difficult to do so a lot of the the talk around nouns is the CCO component that we haven't covered on here, but the idea Mm. is that anybody can take the IP and use it. It's completely free. Um, The idea is to just spread the meme far and wide. That's one piece of it, but also this auction mechanic is a really, uh, is a free invention that these guys came up with, that they're also encouraging you as, you know, company X, brand X, story X to fork that, Auction mechanic too. So there's something I even thought about with visualized value. Where, well, if there's a visualized value auction every day, it doesn't work the same way though. Because if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I, I'm not uploading the. No one's the putting the ideas work. in. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's the other interesting thing about um, algorithmic art. I would say is is the idea that you can throw everything in there, and then the community makes the meaning around it over time.
1: So, so I guess a lot of this, you know, we keep talking around network and, and ownership as being kind of two themes that keep coming up here. And, you know, you've you've built a lot of your community and a lot of your reach has been built on platforms like Instagram and YouTube and Twitter. Um, and, you know, I was I was watching a Peter McKinnon video and he was talking about how the Instagram algorithm kind of, just cut him and he was where he was growing sort of, you know, hundred, 200, 300 people a day, every day, consistently for years. He actually started going in the other direction, actually started sort of losing. Like how's your experience been by, by having, you know, you've kind of got these multiple networks, you've got a, an Instagram network, you've got a Twitter network, and then you've built your own, sort of something you almost control um i'm using the word control quite loosely there but something you have kind of a, a stake of ownership in how can you talk about that and how that sort of plays out in in visualized value
0: yeah so the specific thing about the instagram observation peter mckinnon is a photographer right my yes i think about that right He's big like yeah. massive youtube following too Yes. So someone uh I think someone who either worked at Facebook for a period of time or Instagram or somewhere this quote some I, I can't remember who said it but your friends are just not that interesting. That's like the key insight behind why everybody is moving towards this algorithmic content delivery. So, you know, Most people's Instagram pages are people they know in person or people they've met or, you know, friends of friends or celebrities they admire or, you know, someone you have a personal connection to in some way. The advent of TikTok, I think, has made a lot of these platforms aware of the fact that the content you pick for yourself is not the most interesting content on the platform. And their goal is to keep you on the platform as long as possible, right? That's what their revenue is tied to. Mm. They want to put as many ads in front of you as they can. So all of these platforms now are moving towards just delivering you content from people you don't necessarily follow, but you're going to want to consume. And as everybody listening to this probably knows, like that's the most shocking, no dead space in the air, no like, you know, it's just, You can tell a piece of content has been designed for an algorithm versus, Hmm. you know, a feed of somebody that you're following. Chicken nuggets
1: of the content world. (laughs) Exactly right.
0: Exactly right. Lathered in barbecue sauce. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, uh, I think, the, I've, I've experienced a similar thing. Like growing on Instagram, I've noticed that they're trying to keep up with TikTok. So they're pushing the reels feature on instagram and they want it to be more like you just open the app and it's complete passive consumption like they just serve you up wherever they want to serve you and keep you there so i've noticed the only way that i can truly keep up with that is to produce animated full screen real content which is not completely native to my skill set, but it's not a massive departure, like taking some of the pieces and adding some motion or adding like an extra degree of Mm. uh, meaning to it by like, you know, there's lots of different techniques you can use with motion, but um, that's been the only way to kind of keep the momentum up. And uh, yeah, I think I've seen a lot of it on Twitter as well. I feel like the Twitter algorithm is over the path. This is like, two old blokes moaning I think about culture (laughs) changing but this is what's happening yeah like you know seven ways to get a good night's sleep time for a thread you haven't been drinking water properly time for a thread there's like just content that's completely optimized for um virality is just getting pushed further and further up the feed versus Mm. um Versus the stuff that you self-selected for, you know, there's the like show content in um,
1: chronological order, order. yeah, chronological,
0: yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. I think the the real insight is that people people's friends aren't that interesting, or the things that you think you want to see aren't the things that you
1: revealed preferences.
0: Revealed preferences are different than uh, selected preferences. so I know I don't think it's the best uh, construct for my, many things, honestly, like it's obviously drives discussion in very extreme directions. Like you just have to look at a YouTube thumbnail to know that. Uh, I don't know, things aren't really representative of uh, often not even representative of what is inside like on a if you look on a youtube thumbnail it's like let's pull the most outrageous thing and kind of take out our context a little bit and then uh hopefully people yeah. will click on it and I mean, experience the it. nuance
1: down hopefully, the road. hopefully you have a scantily clad uh, lady you know in your video <laughs> yeah, at yeah. some point you know for at least one yeah. frame so you can put it on the thumbnail. exactly and then you
0: can do a, a the, the stroke around and the drop shadow and the yeah. outer glow and you know yes. emboss the text and all that good stuff yeah, it's like check every Photoshop box. It looks like the uh, portfolio that I applied to university with, it's got every <laughs> single uh layer effect applied. Yes. Yeah. Uh that that's definitely uh an interesting challenge and the idea of like trying to use these platforms to find the people that you can pull into a more thoughtful and interesting network has been Strategy of mine for a long time. Like, we have a Discord where I'd rather spend my time in there with two dozen people active a day than on Twitter just being bombarded with algorithmic stuff. But I think the interesting thing about Web3 tokens, you know, networks that you are attached to in a more material way is that it's going to take like a big cultural shift to get to the adoption of that, I think. Like the it is the chicken nugget is such a great example of it. It's like the junk food, your addiction to junk food versus deciding to go and, you know, grow your own food or eat organic food or mm. slow down or, you know, that to me is like more of a cultural shift. And Web3 and the decision you make to like, attach yourself to one network is uh very different than just being like jammed content in your face based on like what the most distracting thing in the world is. So I think that's like the, the sliver of hope that the web three social network offers is like people are going to curate this stuff based on the things that they truly value because there's mm. a cost to being involved. I'm not like, particularly articulate on this idea, but some people argue that the reason, like, the reason things are playing out this way is because there's no cost to creating crap, right? Like if you yes. had to pay to get something in front of someone or if you had to pay to connect to something, 90% of stuff would disappear overnight. Like 90% of the garbage would just go. Someone made this argument about spam email. Like if you had to pay to send an email... Imagine how much less junk Spam would be in people. your inbox. Um, and there's like valuable and valid arguments on both sides of that too. Like free technology is amazing. Free information is amazing. But there's uh, there's obviously ways in which things get exploited when there is no downside cost to doing them. Uh, so I think that's like a big... Maybe even more of a Bitcoin argument than a Ethereum argument in the macro sense is mm. um, if there's an energy cost to participating in this thing, then people make more thoughtful decisions as a result. But that feels like a million miles away from the direction culture is headed right now. So we'll see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Jack, I think we we out of time, but that was a super thought provoking um, conversation. I'm, I'm I watch. Sort of in in all waiting to see where you take this next because I think you've you've done more experiments than very few people I know in in kind of this internet creator culture and uh, I think there's something interesting there. Um, I love you know what I'm taking from this is this idea of of kind of the network and the bonds between it and that hasn't changed. It now has a new dynamic that you can think mm-hmm. about that can change you add that layer of ownership and participation and then you've got something that could be very powerful for companies and for brands so thank you so much for your time
0: yeah man that was great great conversation i appreciate the uh it's a lot of new stuff as well the uh i haven't talked a lot about this stuff either so it's uh it's, it's such a crazy rabbit hole and uh Well, I mean, that's that's why we
1: pivoted into this topic, because I think nobody knows. And it's so interesting to sort of be watching something play out. And, you know, I think branding is such an interesting space because it's the same thing as it's always been, but with new tools added to it every now and again. We see Web3 as just the next sort of layer on top of a core of what are your values? What do you stand for? What is the difference you're trying to make? You know, like that stuff hasn't changed since the beginning. And this is now just the next kind of, isn't a participation ownership layer, which is very, very interesting, I think for companies and and brands.
0: Yeah, I I guess, sorry to keep uh, rambling on, but the last point, I think in the world of brands and companies that, witness these like trends come and go or these um, technologies come and go. This one to me feels like it has far more economic validation than a lot of the things that have come before. So when Mm. I worked in agency world, it's like internet of things, QR codes. uh, There was a bunch of like things that looked like they were going to be the future, but definitely weren't. And this to me feels different than that. And it feels like the attention and interest in it is orders of magnitude different for that Mm. reason because there's stuff in the market that's actually happening.
1: Right. Well, Jack, thank you so much for your time. And we'll catch all of you in the next one. Bye-bye.
0: Right, thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening we believe sharing knowledge is an obligation so if you know someone who's building a brand or need some inspiration for their brand please share this with them this is our fourth season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released even better leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening one more question is brought to you by the people of nice work We're on a mission to build purposeful Web3 brands that people care about. We're based in South Africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za. Bye-bye.